0: Good songs, good singing and good songs. Um, looking for Trinity. Trinity's going back to Fort Dodge tomorrow. Pray for her. She goes back to college up there at Harvest. And uh, I know she'd appreciate that. Also, uh, Carol uh, Malugin, her hus- husband, you know, passed away some weeks ago. And they'll be in um, Arkansas this week for his burial committal service. Pray for them. And then Tuesday, um, I'll be at Jefferson Barracks with uh, uh, Bruce and Diane and their family. Mary Lou Johnston passed away. We had our funeral this past week. So pray for those families, if you would. Think about it this week. We appreciate that. Uh, do we have the uh, slide of the theme? Have we, has that been up there today? Do we have that? Got it? Is that up there? It's not back there. Okay, good. Do we have the verse? It's got the verse on it. By the way, that's a that's an hourglass to the right of that. You see that? Knowing the, the time, it's an hourglass. Don't. I, I think an hourglass is a perfect way to, de, to depict time slipping away from us. Let's get the verse. Is the verse up there? I wouldn't want to work in the sound booth. It's not working working okay. We'll look at it in the Bible. If all else fails, look in the Bible. Romans chapter 13. We're not going to preach on that. I just want to keep it in our mind tonight. I'll read it to you. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. And that knowing the time, that's the theme. And that knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And it's kind of a wake up call. It's high time to wake out of sleep because our salvation is near. It's not talking about our, there it is. Our conversion It's talking about when our consummate salvation, when Jesus comes and takes us out of this sin cursed world. And it could be much sooner than we think. Our text tonight is going to be in Psalm 119. Uh, folks, y'all can come on and have a seat if you'd like to. Psalm 119. And we're going to begin reading in a moment in verse 121. And I want to look at this passage and uh, make some application to our lives, but also uh, to the current situation in our country. I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about current events, but not a lot. I'm going to save maybe a little bit of it until the last part of the... Evening, but um, I find hope in this passage. 119th Psalm. It's a great psalm. I hope you're very familiar with it. 176 verses, the longest chapter in the Bible, and almost, not all, but virtually all verses have at least one reference in them to truth, to God's Word, to His precepts, to His statutes. It's a wonderful chapter. And uh, we're going to look at this particular passage tonight. If you're able to stand, stand with us for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read beginning in verse 121. Psalm 119, verse 121. Let's give our attention to God's truth. He says, the writer says, I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Like all these, like I said, this entire chapter, this lengthy chapter, almost every verse has to do with God's word. And and really, in this passage, we read in these few verses, almost every verse has a reference to God's truth. And I want to look at this, in, in particularly as we think about knowing the time. Verse 26 has a reference to time. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. But also concerning the current condition of our country, because I find very ho- a lot of hope and, and direction in this passage. So let's just let's just pray and get into it together uh, tonight. Father, please help us tonight as we... Get into the Word of God. Thank you for the folks that are here tonight and for those who are observing, watching, following from home that can't be here tonight. And Father, we pray tonight that you would indeed lead us, that you would teach us. And Father, we we know that we're not to interpret the Scripture in light of uh, current events or circumstances, but we can understand our circumstances better in light of the Scripture so we pray you'd help us to do that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I, I see in this passage uh, a conflict that, that I think if we look at it and think about it together, that we can all relate to. And first of all, we, we're going to just focus on the author, the writer, the human instrument that gave us this passage, the writer of Psalm 119. We don't know for sure who it was. I. It could have been David uh, who wrote many of the Psalms, but it's not really significant. It's God's Word, and God gave us the Word. But he speaks of himself as God's servant. As a matter of fact, in this Psalm alone, in the 119th Psalm, the speaker refers to himself 13 times as God's servant, three times in this passage. If you look in verse 122, he says, Be surety for thy servant. For good. In verse twenty-four he says, Deal with thy servant according to thy mercy. In verse twenty-five he says, I am thy servant. The writer is writing about himself. And this is what he says about himself in verse one. He says, I have done judgment and justice. That's his that's his testimony about the way he lived his life. I don't think he was saying I'm perfect. I don't think he was saying he never failed or flawed, but I think his 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 purpose was for judgment and justice. The word judgment means to give a right verdict, uh, to give a right sentence, an accurate sentence. The word justice means righteousness or just, being just. So the writer himself considered himself to be an impartial judge. He was not a respecter of persons. By the way, that's a good quality To try to have in our life. And he said, so he says that in verse 21, I have done judgment and justice. And he was, he had his issues, he had his difficulties, but he was looking to God to deliver him. Verse 2123 says, Mine eyes fail for thy salvation. He was wanting God to bring him out of his circumstances. So we have, we have here a man whose purpose was judgment and justice. He wasn't just interested in having his way. He didn't try to interpret everything based on how it would affect him and look better for him. He just wanted what was right. He just wanted what was truthful, what was accurate. But he had, then there's another group of people referred to a couple places in this uh, passage of scripture. And those were his oppressors. Um, He said in verse 21, I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. And then uh, in verse 122 he says, uh, let not the proud oppress me. So you have two different people. You have a pr- the proud people who are oppressing him. And then you have what I would call a lover of truth, a lover of verity, a lover of accuracy and judgment. And what was it that divided these two groups? What was it that separated, what distinguishing characteristic separated the, shepherd, the, the servant who loved truth And those who opposed him. And the actual answer to that is very simple. It was this matter of truth itself. The servant of God here in our passage was passionate for truth. Let's just look at the text and let it explain itself. He says in verse 24, deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. I want you to teach me what's right. God, I want you to show me. Don't just show me what I want truth to be. Show me what truth is. Teach me. In verse 25, he says, I am thy servant. Give me understanding. Help me to understand that I may know thy testimonies, that I may know what your word is teaching. In verse twenty-one, twenty-seven, he says, therefore, I love thy commandments. Above gold, yea, above fine gold. Not just gold, gold that might have a measure of impurities in it, but gold that has been purified, the dross has been removed, it's fine gold. I love your commandments above fine gold. Again, the truth is really at the heart of what this passage is about. Verse 128, he says, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts, concerning all things to be right. Everything you say about, he's talking to God, everything you say about any subject, all thy commandments concerning all things, whatever you say about anything, I believe it's right. I'm going to take it to be right. And then he says this, the last part of verse 128, if you're still looking there, he said, I hate every false way. Everything that does not line up with God's truth, he said, I hate that. By the way, that's a good place to be, isn't it? Passionate for God's truth. We want to know the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. We want to know the truth. And as Christians, as true believers, as disciples, as followers of Christ, that is our quest, to know truth. So you have this writer who who loves the truth. And then you have these oppressors that do not share his interest and quest for the truth. In verse 126, look what it says. For it is time, it is time for thee, Lord, to work for they. Now that pronoun they is talking about the oppressors that he mentioned in 21 and 21 and 122. Leave me not to mine impressor, let not the proud oppress me. Verse 126 It's time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made, they, my oppressors, have made void thy law. He didn't say, He didn't say my oppressors um, have mistreated me. He didn't say my oppressors, you know, are getting, are getting away with stuff. No, he says, My oppressors have made void thy law. The whole issue is about the law. The whole issue is about truth, the valid um, argument or defense of truth. And the wicked, according to this passage and according to experience and common sense, the wicked have no really interest in God's truth. If you look in verse 128, and I think this is who he's referring to in verse 128, therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right and I hate every false way. The wicked would be fine with every false way. The wicked would be fine with murdering babies still in the womb. The wicked would be fine with sodomy, with gay marriage. The wicked would be fine with lying and deceiving and corruption. But he said, I hate every false way. So we see this conflict. I don't know if you can see it, But it's clear to me, you have a man who loves the truth and lives for the truth and begs to know the truth and wants to understand the truth, and then you have his oppressors who reject the truth, they they are not interested in the truth, and you have this this contention. And that conflict, I think, is similar to what we have often in life, in culture. We live in a world that is full of sin, sin-cursed. Sin-cursed. And in this world of sin, we are to be passionate for the truth. But then you have many who have no regard for the truth. And in the context of this, and that just sort of lays out before us what this portion of Psalm 119 is addressing, in the context of this, the light to me shines in on verse 126. It is time for thee, Lord to work, for they have made void thy law. They, the oppressors, have made void thy law. Void means it's worthless, it's empty, it's meaningless. And therefore, he says, it's time for thee to work. Now, now that's an interesting perspective, I think. It, it, it shows optimism, it shows faith in this conflict between Truth seekers and truth rejectors," he said, Lord, it's time for thee to work. You know, I would think from a human point of view, from a natural point of view, that when you have rejection of truth and disobedience and apostasy and rebellion and oppression, that's not a very likely time to see God work. Because you don't see God in all, I don't see God in any of that. But that's exactly, precisely what the psalmist was praying for. It's time for thee, Lord to work. And I just, I want to, I don't want to say, this. I've had this on my mind for a couple of days, just thinking about this and praying about this and thinking about what should our perspective be in so many things that are going on. And first and foremost, it ought to be to see God work. We want to see God work. And, you know, I don't have to, you know, this has been said so many times in the last eight or nine months. It just seems like it shouldn't be said anymore. But we've witnessed some very disturbing, taxing, anxious moments in recent history. This, it, it's really been an unprecedented time for us you know the pandemic and all the repercussions of that and we're not out of that uh... the summer of riots that seems like a generation ago almost to me when they're burning down our cities and and uh, all the unrest and accusations of racism the shooting of uh, people black people by by cops and and it just so much racial divide this great deepening divide in our country and yet And we've been living in it for a while, but it's just gotten so much, so much worse. And the the attempts to impeach our president—all this has happened just in recent months. I mean, we're not talking about years of stuff. We've—it's been unloading on us one thing after another, after another. And then you add to that the contentious election that we have just witnessed, and then the multitude of allegations of election irregularities. And then all that leading up to this horrific last week. And I'm going to tell you, my heart has been so heavy this week over the things that have happened. I don't I don't know when I've just felt more of a burden for our country. And um but when I read this passage, you know, I began this passage by saying that this this reveals a conflict that we can relate to, and it does. Because I believe a lot of what we're seeing has to do with truth and the absence of truth. The desire of truth and the rejection of truth. And these, the servant of God here in Psalm 119 is dealing with the oppression of the wicked who make void God's law. They don't want God's law. They're not interested in God's law. And what is it is pleased is, God, we need for you to work. And by the way, these circumstances could really signal a time for God to work. Wouldn't you like to see God do some things in this dark hour of our history? Not just human history, but particularly American history. And, um, you know, for Christians, dealing with adversity and conflict is not unusual it's not abnormal we've been we've been we've had it really good in america for a long time um but but still there's this tension between those who want to be led by truth and those who reject god's truth and um we're living we here this is really the bottom line as far as our our challenge as Christians. We are not of this world. This is not our home. We're just passing through. And the this world that is corrupt to the core, this world that is so full of, of sin and damaged by sin and led and really having greater influence by the day from the wicked one. This world is not our home. And I was thinking about Jeremiah's words. I'm not going to turn to it, but in Jeremiah, in Israel, he described the corruption within his own country, God's people, the Israelites, and in his own political system, this way, he said, and I quote, truth is fallen in the streets. Truth is almost no more. And it's it's really... um, It's really a challenge for us to even know what the truth is. I'm talking about not just the truth of God's Word. We have His Bible to teach us what His Word is. But what what about truth related to things that are going on in our world? People hear a certain angle of the way it's presented and they believe it. And if they don't like the angle that, that they're hearing... They don't try to prove it's right or wrong. They'll just go find someone that agrees with what they want them to say. <laughs> that's not really a pursuit of truth. That's just, that's just filling our minds with what we really want to hear. And I know that people say a lot of different things about what's going on in our world. But Maybe I'm just naive, but it's not about being red or blue. It's not about being Republican or Democrat It's about being truthful that's what we want we want truth just give me the truth I don't I don't need a media I don't need a media that will tell me what to think I want somebody just give me the facts and I'll figure out what to think but you know what that's hard to find it's almost non-existent and you say why does that matter to us because we're Christians and Christians can be caught up in this this you know tide of of false or, or fragmented information when really we don't really know what the truth is. We need the truth. You know, we, we need the truth so we know how to live, really. And we're in a bad place. And I can say again, it's not because corruption, corruption is not just um, relegated to one political party. Corruptions everywhere. I mean, it exists in the it exists in the highest places, and I believe in the lowest places of government leadership. And our country is in a horrible place, morally and politically. And the further we get away from God's truth as a nation, the more dire the situation becomes. You know, I was uh, reading, I think it was today, or it may have been yesterday, that great account in one of the Gospels about uh, the miraculous healing of the demoniac man. One of my favorite places in the Bible. Think about it. I mean, a guy's possessed with thousands of demons. I'm not sure if he's a Republican or Democrat. (laughs) But he is in a bad way, living in the tombs, cutting himself, screaming, until Jesus came along, and Jesus changed his life, completely, completely changed his life. And the people in town came out to see what had happened. And they saw him, and this is how the Bible describes him, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Isn't that great? He's calm, sitting, clothed, got him a new wardrobe, and thinking clearly. The people came out and saw him. And you know what they did, right? They said, Jesus, we want you to stay with us forever. No. No. They said, Jesus, we want you to leave on the next ship. That's what they said. They didn't want Jesus. We live in a world that's more and more like that. They don't really want Jesus. He's not welcome in our schools. He's not welcome in our courtroom. He's not welcome in many communities. He's not welcome... In the arena of public discourse. And while, and you know, the people who don't want him really believe that this, you may think this is an exaggeration, I don't think it is. The people who don't really want Jesus think they're right, that he doesn't belong there. You don't belong in the school, you don't belong in the courtroom. You've got your place, but this is not it. They believe that's true. You know why? Because we're so messed up. We're so messed up. And anything, this is the world we live in. Anything that we don't like, we don't just deal with it or tolerate it or give it just a passive indifference in our life. No, we cancel it. You know, and this, this, is, this is the way, if someone doesn't disagree with you, you don't just say, well, you know, we're, we don't get along and we, we don't agree, but that's okay. Maybe we'll all learn. No, anybody that has a different view or a different approach has to be erased. They have to be canceled. We've, we've seen our own senator, um, Josh Hawley, who did what he thought was right in this past Wednesday, to oppose or at least ask for a thorough review of election irregularities, and he's been castigated. He's been, they want him to immediately resign. Immediately, you need to resign. You're an enemy of freedom. Isn't that sick? That's sick. That's the culture we live in. Because truth doesn't matter. What matters is we want our way. And by the way, any elected official should be entitled to present their concerns and questions, but things have really changed. I'm not going to read it to you now, but I'm going to read a little bit of this later. Because this is such a great statement from Blaine Luchtemeyer, our, our U.S. Rep for the 3rd Congressional District, and why he stood up in opposition to the election of regu- You have a right to do that. It doesn't make you evil. It doesn't make you wrong. But again, truth doesn't really matter that much. I was telling my wife yesterday, and you ought to be thankful you only hear me rant about this every once in a while. She has to hear me all the time. (laughs) But I was telling her, if someone disagrees with us, for the most part, not always, but I'm just saying for the most part, if someone disagrees with us, I'm talking about us as Christians, we may identify them, we may call them out, but we don't vilify them. We don't try to destroy them, and yet we watch as, you know, city blocks are being burned down, and t- city, our cities are suffering this summer. You know why? Because they thought the other side was wrong. That gives them the right to just burn down buildings, and, and, and then you watch, and I'm, I'm telling you things you already know, but many elected officials and media personalities act like it's okay to burn things down. You know why? Because because this is what happens. If my side is acting up, then it's okay. But if the other side is acting up, then it's horribly evil. That's exactly the opposite of what the, the psalmist said. He says, we're into judgment and justice. We want what's right. We want what's truthful. Show us the truth. And what happened Wednesday was horrible. And I feel like I have to address it. And I'm not going to say as much about it as I want to say, but as far as those protesters and those extremists, and there were some extremists and and instigators in that group, they went way too far. They were totally out of line. To go in to the U.S. Capitol was inexcusable. And by the way, that hasn't just been echoed from the other side. That condemnation of what they did has been echoed from the right and from the left. And it should be, because that's based on truth. As I was, I wasn't even planning on saying this, but I was thinking about this as I was downstairs before coming up here for the service tonight, but I was thinking back to what I consider one of the darkest times I've ever witnessed as a citizen of this country, and that's, that was the confirmation hearing of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. It makes me want to weep when I think about it. There was no justice or judgment in that. All it was was an attempt to assassinate his character, to dig up false accusations. And I'm I'm saying this. You say, why are you talking about this stuff? Because I think we need to know what's going on in our country. And at the root of it, it's really about truth. It's about what is truth. And it has to do with the spiritual condition of our nation. Truth is fallen in the streets. Truth is irrelevant. And so why are we here then? And I want to give you a couple of answers to that question. We ought to be the ones interested in judgment and justice. You know, there, there are people who give a conservative view of the news that I don't listen to much. You know why? Because I don't think they're balanced. I don't think they I don't, I think they're so so committed to the way they want things that they're overlooking the faults within the right. I I we want truth. Give us the truth. We ought to want righteous decisions. We're truth seekers. We're objective viewers. If someone in our ranks is out of step, then we ought to call them out, not just ignore it. We're passionate about the truth. And I think this is one of the most challenging things we have to deal with, and this is at the core of what I want to communicate and trying to communicate tonight, is where do you find truth? There's such a lack of truth and lack of honesty and lack of integrity. Isn't it refreshing when somebody... I saw this just recently in in a newscast that I was watching, that someone had reported something inaccurately. And the next day, he says, "I need to clear something up. What I said was not true." You know, you hear things, you hear people say things, you hear people, and this is what, and I, I got, I got on this hobby horse some, um, when the when the COVID first broke out, and saying just because you see it on the internet doesn't mean it's true. People hear things and report it, and hear things and share it, and everybody's. Well, so-and-so said it, and they're a Christian. Well, it doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean it's true. There's so much information. There's so much. And we need to want the truth. In our culture, among elected officials, we want the truth. And there's a lack of truth. I, I listened to a little bit of news this afternoon. And I, you know, I, just was, I just get fed up with newscasters that are always spinning the truth... ...to present their view. Do do y'all feel that way? I mean, I'm very very disturbed by it. Um, I I left the house a few mornings ago. But before I left the house... ...and sometimes I get these uh, notifications on my phone. There's some news you can't live without, you know. So I look at it. And the news that I read on my phone... ...I could find it. I don't know the source was but he talked about this this alarming uptick in the new corona cases in Missouri that was so alarming and we were like 34th in the st- uh, 50 states we're like the 34th we're just you know which basically means that we're we've really got it bad and there's a lot of it so I get in my truck and I'm heading to town and I'm I'm listening to a St. Louis uh Radio station, a news station. And what, they're, what, they're, what are they saying? They are celebrating the recent report that we have lo- fewer first time corona cases in a Missouri than we've had since for months. Which one's telling the truth? Which one? You know what? Some people just believe the one that they want to believe. The point is, you can't believe everything you hear. It's just not safe to do that. It's not smart to do that. It's not wise to do that. And that's what we tend to do sometimes. We just believe something because a per- certain person says it. And the, the, this vitriol, this, this uh, deepening divide in our country just keeps ratcheting up. And we're, wit- wit- we're witnessing something. I, I said this to someone today, and I really believe it. The thing that we've been saying for a long time is gonna come is here I mean we're we're under great attack in our country from within I believe enemies of our country and um, we ought to be concerned about it this this oppression or suppression and distortion of truth that's propaganda that's how the communists took over countries by the, by the press, by the media, by saying things that aren't true. And, and I, I, you know, I feel awkward. I don't normally do this where I talk so much about current events. I like talking about the Bible, but I'm concerned for our people that we be wise and discreet and discerning. And what they're doing is coordinated it's it really is not a conspiracy theory it is a conspiracy against us to censor to censure the truth to, to make it where we have don't have platforms to if we dis, if they dis, if you disagree with them they want to silence you isn't that horrible it's horrible this is america if you disagree with me i don't have to silence you go ahead and be wrong if you want to <laughs> But these these are this is not conspiracy theory. This any even a casual observer can see what is happening in this country. And and at the heart of this contention in our culture is the matter of truth. We want we need discernment when it comes to truth. And we can be deceived, we can be misled. And I'm I'm not just saying we as a Christian or we even as church members. I'm talking about we in our culture, but it pertains to us and we this is this is so much of what's going on. Really, I mean, honestly, this is not going to happen. But If we could just absolutely, all of us, divorce ourselves from all the media information. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the whole country. Shut it down. But they're, they're, I'm telling you, these people are taking over our colleges. They're taking over the, the educational system. They're taking over the, 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 the tech industry. And, and it's all about misleading us. It's a cultural war. So what are we to do? Number one, we're to know the truth. Number two, we're called to be salt and light. You know, if you if we and I could try to imagine what it was like in the first century under Roman oppression in Israel when Jesus walked the shores of the Sea of Galilee, when this Roman Empire was oppressing them, this mighty Roman empire against this little country of Israel and all the world, not just Israel. But Jesus was dealing with his people there in Israel. And you know what he said to them? He says, you're the light of the world. You're to let your light shine. Talking to his people, these converts, these followers, his these disciples. You're to be the salt of the earth. That's who we need to be. The light of the world and the salt of the earth. I'm not saying we shouldn't have discourse about what's going on. We should. But just ranting or, or just talking about it or getting on social media. and be, all, there's, I'm not saying that all that's wrong. I'm just saying, you know what the world needs more than anything? They need Jesus. They need the gospel. I'm not saying we have to vacate the political world. But there's something more important than what's going on in Washington D.C., and that's the kingdom of God. And it, it everything else pales in significance to that. And to me, this ought to be like a wake-up call. It's time to wake up out of our sleep. It's, it's time to have revival. Not just, I'm, I'm as. Adamant. I'm as vocal, I'm as passionate as most people are about what's happening in our country. I love this country and it breaks my heart what is happening in America. But we need revival is what we need. Personal revival and corporate revival. And some people want to, they're so frustrated they want to disengage. We don't need to disengage from our culture. We need to re-engage our culture with gospel truth and stand for the truth and point people To Christ. We need to be propagators of truth. And first and foremost, the truth of the gospel. I love the words of the Psalm, of the writer of Proverbs, when he says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, get the truth and don't let anybody get it from you. So so what did the psalmist? What did this, to me, the highlight of this passage, and I still have my Bible open to this passage in Psalm 119, the highlight of this passage is verse 126. It's time for thee, Lord, to work. God is still the Almighty. You know, my wife and I talk about these things. We talked about it this morning, I think. Um, it's possible. It's possible. That the world that we have known and loved in this country is going to become a thing of the past. That's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's possible. And we're sad for our grandchildren and their children that are going to be raised in this. If 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 we don't get it turned around. But the point is, whatever happens, God is still in control, and God is still the Almighty. And he rules and reigns in the affairs of men. You say, but it just seems like the world is get waxing worse and worse. That's exactly the language of the Bible. Evil and corruption is going to get worse and worse. And we need to be men and women of prayer more than any other weapon in spiritual warfare. We need to be people of prayer. That's what, he That's what the psalmist is saying here in 119. When he says in verse 23, 123, mine eyes fail for thy salvation. In verse 26, this is a request. It's a prayer. It's an entreaty. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. We need for you to work. And you know how God often works? He works in response and answer to prayer. He works when people seek his face. He works when people ask him to work. And he, the psalmist, was looking for God to give victory. And I'll tell you, we need for God to work. We need Him to work. I, you know, I don't see any real place. I think I believe in, I believe in political activism. I believe in that. I believe, I believe in being involved in our community. I believe every local municipality and every state and every county ought to fix their election system so there can be no corruption like we've seen. I believe that all that ought to be done. But I think ultimately it's going to take God to help us in America. And we need him to work. We need him to work in our families. We need him to work in our church, in our community, in our country. So are we in a mess There are a lot of things I don't know, but this I do know. Of all that I know about what's wrong in America, I'm convinced it's far worse than I can ever imagine. That's what I believe. But God is greater than anything Or anyone. Amen. Wouldn't it be wonderful. If what we're going through. Would bring us to a place. Not just to be mad. And not just to be frustrated. Not just to be angry. And not to become cynical. But to say I'm going to ramp up. My prayer life. And my walk with God. And I'm going to trust God to see me through whatever the future has because God is God that'd be it'd be easier if we could just call up our elected officials and say would you fix the problem but the problem is most of them don't even see the problem this sounds cynical but really what they what the biggest problem for them is if I can get reelected but that's not fixing the problem But God, that's who we need. It's time for the Lord to work. And I just want to challenge our church family tonight to know what's going on, be concerned, be aware of what's going on, and talk about what's going on. If you don't talk about it, I'll talk to you about it. But that's not going to fix it. Only God, only God. Could fix the mess that it's taken many decades to create. So, knowing the time, knowing the time that it is high time that we awake out of sleep, for our salvation is near than when we first believed. Let's pray together, all right? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. One of the things we we see in the Bible is how God's people lived in very difficult times. Under wicked regimes, ruthless dictators, pagan empires, God's people. God's people not only lived, but they trusted God. They sought God. And they made a difference. They were salt and light. Think about the three Hebrews along with Daniel and that Babylonian, wicked Babylonian empire. And how God used them as a source of light. God could use us in our own place, in our own way. Our Father, as we pray tonight, Lord, we do need your help. We need your perspective. Lord, we are influenced by information, by our emotions, by our fears and we're manipulated sometimes by information that's not always accurate well we just need your help we want to be salt and light in this world that we live in god we want to we want to make a difference we don't we want to we want to be propagators of the truth Primarily the truth of the gospel, the truth of your word. So we pray for your help, your power, your ability to do that. While our heads are bowed this evening, would you just take a few moments yourself, where you are, you know the world you live in, you know how you feel about all these things. There could be someone sitting here and you're not, not even aware there's a problem. That's fine. Or maybe you're kind of overwhelmed by it or, Frustrated by it, even fearful about it. Would you just take a few moments and say, Lord, I want your perspective. I want to know the truth, I want to be led by the truth.